Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Housing Matters Podcast. My name is Jordan Levine, Deputy Chief Economist with the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined today by our Senior Economist and Director of Economic Research, Oscar Way. Good morning, everyone. So this is going to be a a fun one because we just put out our December 2019 numbers. So we're able to give you a full year-end review of California's housing market and how we did last year. We also want to do just a quick macroeconomic update for you at the end. So you kind of have a lay of the land as we progress further into 2020. And we'll throw out some of the red flags that we're keeping an eye on as things progress. So, But before we get into all that nerdy macro stuff, Let's get into the housing stuff because we actually ended the year on a on a pretty strong note, right, Oscar? Yeah, we we did really well, and I mean, I know in the first half of the year of 2019 we were not great, but we ended up with a pretty decent numbers. Now, if you just take a look at the numbers, I know uh, as realtors we talk about sales. We're going to talk about some price numbers, but if you look at just sales figures, hey, it's not too bad. Now we predicted in October. That we're going to end the year with a with a uh, down 3.1 percent compared to 2018. We actually down only about 1.2 percent uh, for um, 2019 from last year, and it's mainly because of you know the last few months. You know, in yeah. December we actually shot up quite a bit by uh, 7.3, 7.4 percent, which was pretty impressive. Um, and uh, I know it has a lot to do with uh, week 2018 year end, sure. but hey, it's it's not bad at all. Yeah, definitely. And I think that you know you you hit the nail on the head. We only did about half as bad as what we had predicted this time last year. And I think that if you if you kind of scratch below the surface of why we were a little bit more pessimistic when you kind of rewind the tape back to the fall of of 2018 was at that time rates were very close to if not over 5% and and in fact that really did have negative consequences for the market in the first 6 months of the year where sales were actually falling but as rates started to dip back down and in fact they were down at about 3.5% at one point during the fall and winter of this year sales really finally started to respond to that and we saw that uh, most strongly in December. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, we we all know it has a lot to do with interest rates. Um, interest rates actually dipped quite a bit um, throughout the year. Um, in if twelve months ago, you know, when we did maybe a, a forecast or an outlook for twenty nineteen, we you know we were still at what four point six, four point seven, or four point eight percent for thirty year fixed rate. Today it's actually close to about a hundred basis point down from um, from from a year ago, right? And I think that's really what underlies kind of our our optimism moving forward for 2020, and and why our forecast is actually for for both sales and prices to pick up the pace, because that really does seem to be getting buyers back into the market. We even saw a little bit of an uptick in the percentage of Californians who think it's a good time to buy, and so oh, yeah. um, when you put that together. With I think the the increases now that we're finally seeing at the top end of the market, that should help to to help us give some positive numbers and also help the Bay Area, which had been struggling a little bit uh, earlier last year. 
I know, and and I'm glad you know you talked about you brought up the uh, the top end of the market. The top end of the market definitely has been a, had been a little weak in the, at least the first six or seven months of the year. I know it has a lot to do with the fact that maybe people are concerned about those um, global economic factors. Uh, maybe they're concerned. They were concerned about the stock market. You know, trade flow was not done. Yeah. Yeah, but it seems like you know at the end of the year it started picking up a little bit at least um, at the uh, uh, the fourth quarter. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And we had I think a couple of months in a row where both sales and more importantly I think prices at the top end have stopped going down. Prices were actually falling a bit at the top end of the market, and so we've seen you know as people gain that confidence back in the economy, as some of the the trade conflict has died down a bit, and in fact the stock market's doing really well. I think that's really given given that push to the top end. One of the interesting things is where that top end growth is is being spread out. We're not really seeing it in those very high end expensive luxury markets in the Bay Area, but you are seeing it in places like, you know, Grass Valley or Palm Springs and markets where, uh, you know, they have a, a very kind of thriving luxury segment, but where that mm-hmm. that price point for for quote unquote luxury comes in closer to one to two million dollars versus in the Bay Area, that high end luxury segment maybe starts at seven, eight million. Yeah. And with that, you know, increase in price for, you know, uh, the high end as well as the low end, we were seeing the we saw the first time in December a uh, a, a double digit increase uh, in what five or six years? I think the last time we saw a double-digit gain was back in uh, 2014. I can't remember the exact number, but uh, yeah, it, I think it's it was been about a, a few years. And and I think you know I want to you know I you know I'm glad you know it's because of um, you know low interest rate, but I think in our uh, press release we also mentioned about the uh, change in the mix of sales. Right. You know, with luxury home or high-end home getting a bigger share compared to the previous year. We're seeing some uh, strong growth in price. Um, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and ask you, do you think that strong growth is going to uh, continue in the upcoming year? Yeah, so I think it, it depends on what side of the ledger we're talking about, right? Because uh, I think there's there's one factor that, that we can't be too... Uh, optimistic, even with these good numbers that are coming in. A, the the shift in the mix of sales where we're having more high-end sales is dragging that median price up. So I don't think we can expect double-digit growth in home prices, but I do think they'll they'll continue to go up. On the sales side, I think they'll also go up, but why we can't expect big surges there is because our, our kind of old friends, tight market, tight inventory are are kind of back to haunt us. And I think that in some ways, the market's going to start looking more like how it did in 2016, where inventory was very tight, the market was more competitive on the buy side, and, and that leads to more growth. But it also limits the amount of home sales, because I think we had a, a 20% dip in the number of active listings again. And that's um, two months in a row where we've had not just double right. digit declines and actives, but by more than 20%. And so uh, we're actually, you know, I think at the lowest level in like over seven years, almost eight years of, I know. of, of MLS data when we go back in time. And so, you know, that's going to, we're more optimistic and low rates help and the economy is, is still doing well, but there's a limit to how much that's going to translate through to the housing market, just because, again, the market is tightening back up. In fact, I think we're at two and a half months of unsold inventory, which is very tight. That's very, very tight. And and I know, 
you know, uh, when we talk about sales, it's about supply and demand and the supply side, obviously, you just mentioned, you know, we're at the very, very low side, um, lowest in the 80th or month, lowest in the last seven and a half years, 80 months. Uh, on the sales side, uh, it's got to be somewhat uh, uh, concerning for some of the buyers. Now, you mentioned about the um, the Google poll that we do, the whether it's a good time to buy, a good time to sell. Um Many of the audience may have seen those graphics, but for the uh, good time to sell, we saw that it actually inched, it increased quite a bit uh, for sellers. Right. Um, it went from 48% saying that it's good time to sell to something like 56, which was a pretty decent jump. But for the buyer side, I realized it only inched up from like 22, 23 to 25. Yeah. And I think, and you hit it in the nail, uh, hit the nail in the head. It's uh, they're they're very happy with low interest rates at what three and three point seven, three point eight. But at the same time, they're a little concerned about home prices. Home prices on yeah. up ten percent uh, based on the state median price. That's a little concerning because when they look at the bottom line, they're how much they need to pay on a monthly basis. Um, our calculations suggest that. A month ago, two months ago, they were paying what seven or eight percent below the uh, twelve months ago mortgage payment. But yeah. in December, it actually they're still paying a, a a lower mortgage payment, but it only dropped down by about one percent, one point two percent. No, exactly, and I think that's a critical point because as the market you know tightens back up and rates remain low and people want to take advantage of that, it drives this disproportionate growth in home prices, and in some ways, that's really offsetting the benefits of these low rates, right? So again, if you go back a couple of months, people were actually saving money. That, that home, because the home price was growing slower at this higher level of rates, when rates fell, it actually had a significant impact on monthly payments. Now rates are still low, but prices are jumping back up. And so it kind of erodes, again, some of that positive benefit. And so I think, again, the market comes all back to supply and a lack thereof after this kind of rebalancing and, and you know phase of economic uncertainty is, is somewhat in the rear view mirror, or at least been tamped down a bit. The market has gone mm -hmm. right back up into, into tightened you know, into hunker down mode, essentially. And and so that's why I think that we can be more optimistic, but we just have to be realistic about how how much of a boost the market's going to get, because there are still some of those structural barriers. And, and we see that in the in the competitiveness stats. Right. If you look at the market, mm -hmm. it's getting more competitive in terms of how quickly homes are selling and the fact that fewer sellers are making discounts and the discountings that they're doing is is by a smaller margin. True, that's true. Um, so you know the, the the advice is you know we can be optimistic, but uh, don't overdo it, right? Exactly. The, uh, and and I think you know it, it's very positive possible that we might see you know the next couple months, next three or four months or so, some positive year over year gain. But don't forget that the uh, twelve months ago. Last year, the beginning of last year, you know, we had uh, a very low level of sales. So uh, yeah. we expect year over year gain, but uh, maybe don't read too much into it. Yes, we're going to have some positive uh, effect from mortgage rates, low mortgage mortgage rates. But uh, I think we need to uh, be careful about uh, interpreting some of those data. 
Yeah, definitely. No, those growth rates that we're seeing are definitely exaggerated by the fact that that the end of last year when rates were at 5% or the end of 2018 when rates were at 5% was particularly weak. And so it's not necessarily that this December was particularly strong on the sales front. Uh, it was a mix of both improvement and a little bit of that exaggerated growth because 2018 was so weak. But uh, right. not necessarily true on the price side, though, right? Because we talked about how prices were um, up by their biggest amount in in you know five and a half years. But I think right. one of the interesting things is that December was actually the I think the second highest price of the year. So those low rates oh, yeah. did spur that demand. We usually have kind of a seasonal lull where prices are relatively weak before they start ramping up again in the spring. But we bounce back above. Um, that 600. And some of that is definitely mix of sales, but I do think that this tight inventory is also playing a role. Oh, I definitely think that is the case. Um, whether that it will continue in January and February, um, it's it's. I think we're going to see some strong, um, we'll see some modest growth too, because we use our um, listing price versus close sales price as a leading indicator. And it seems like it's showing a, um, it continue to show a positive trend, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, you know, we're still going to see ongoing price growth, particularly as buyers are are more optimistic and, and the economy stays good. So, um, you know, we just want to temper those expectations. That's true. Now, um, we just talked, you know, about the big picture. Uh, what about at the regional level? I know um, when we talk about Bay Area, SoCal, Central Valley and Central Coast, they may behave a little differently. Uh, you mentioned a little earlier that Bay Area, um, it it had not been doing very well for you know part of 2019, but it started picking some um, steam up uh, in in 2019, maybe uh, late 2019. Maybe we can talk a little bit about about the regional stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think you know the Bay Area in particular saw, I think weakness in price in part because price levels there are so high and so these big swings in interest rates i think have disproportionate effects we saw that in prices which were down you know more than and anywhere else in the state uh, because when those rates went up and economic uncertainty was really ramping up we saw a big increase in the amount of active listings out there at the same time we saw pretty big step back from consumers on the buy side who who essentially went into a wait and see mode and that took away a lot of the wind out of the the upward price pressure in the bay area in particular and so even though we started to see prices ramp back up towards the end of the year when you put it all together on an annual basis prices were actually down by a little bit over one and a half percent in the bay area we saw that elsewhere too, right? Weaker prices in the face of higher interest rates during the first, you know, six to seven months of the year, but but the Bay Area suffered the most. Yeah, that's very very true. But you know, given the fact that it only at the towards the end of the year only dropped about, you know, one and a half ish percent, that's not too bad. I mean, it's 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 a good sign that going into yeah. 2020 that we are we'll, we'll probably see some momentum. Um, yeah, and we we already saw that. I was just up in the in the Santa Clara or in the Santa Clara Valley last night doing a speech up there, and and even in December we started to see about six and a half to seven percent increases throughout the Bay Area on the price side. So it's already starting to ramp up and and follow suit with the rest of the state. I think it's just a little bit slower out of the gate because affordability is such an issue there that that you know the the uncertainty and the rates play a big role. 
Yeah, and and, and I'm glad you know you brought up Santa Clara also because I think I have been concerned about Santa Clara uh, for you know the in, in most of 2019 Santa Clara seemed to be uh, declining, but it's finally picking up you know some some momentum. So that's good to know. Uh, now on the we talked about Bay Area, but what about SoCal? I think. Um, we we have very different uh, counties. We all have Orange County and San Diego San Diego County. They tend to have higher home prices, but then we also have Inland Valley, Riverside, and San Bernardino that tend to have um, the um, the lower price, more affordable. Um, what surprised me a little bit, I did a presentation yesterday when I uh, looked at some of the um, Southern California counties numbers. I realized, you know, for the year 2019, uh, it looks like. The more affordable uh, counties, Riverside, San Bernardino, they did experience some increase in home prices, uh, right. six or seven percent in home prices. But you know, it comes with a price. Sales actually dropped a little bit more in San Bernardino County uh, because of increase in home prices. I mean, because yeah. of increase in a drop in affordability. I think it hurt some of the uh, buyers and consumers in the right. area. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, on the on the flip side of that coin, too, then when economic uncertainty ramps up, I think it disproportionately affects markets that that some might view as overpriced. So the coastal areas see a bigger uh, flood of of those listings onto the market when people were worried about what was going to happen at five percent interest rates mm -hmm. um, didn't necessarily have that same. Um, you know, flood. And so the market stayed tight. And as as people worried about coastal markets, maybe they looked inland more often. And, and that tends to to pump up the prices there as well. I think that it still shows how the fundamentals are, are playing a role in these kind of outlying areas where housing affordability is more attractive to people who maybe have been renting along the coast is going to uh -huh. continue to drive, you know, strong price growth in those markets because people still want home ownership. It's just a question of being able to actually achieve it. And I think that's where um, some of these markets in the Inland Empire and in Sacramento, San Joaquin, Stanislaus up north are going to come into play. I mean, when you look at prices in places like Tracy, which is largely a, a commuter area into some of these East Bay and even onto the peninsula, prices there have gone up pretty substantially as well. And so I think this is all part of that broader trend where people want housing, there's not enough of it. And, and so they go outside to get it, but that pushes up prices in these areas that used to be thought of as affordable. Right, right. And um, I want to touch upon the um, the area that you're most familiar with, Central Coast, you know, San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara. What do you think about those? Held up very strong in 2019 for selfish reasons. But, uh, you know, I don't think that we have <laughs> quite as many of those dynamics. We're not quite a commuter area here on the Central Coast. We're a little bit outside of that commuter range i think but and so we have you know more of a of a kind of stable inward focused population base but demand is is still strong but i think that the price effect and and when you take that together with those high interest rates still were impacting the central coast at the beginning of the year because again high price markets have uh, you know real significant impacts when rates move around even just a little bit just because that actually translates into a lot of dollars Mm, okay. Now, so let's take a let's take a, a, a look at the big picture again. Um, for 2020, um, what do you think is going to happen to the housing market in terms of sales, price, and um, supply? 
Yeah. So for me, I think that the the moral of the story is that things will continue to improve. We should see sales go up by about a percent or maybe even more. We might have to look at at revising that up a little bit. And I think right. the prices will be in that kind of mid single digit range. Right now, we have about a three and a half percent increase on the price side. But I think it it all comes down to the inventory question, because if we see this kind of uh, further retrenchment on the active listing side, then we might have to rejigger the price growth to be even a little bit stronger as people fight over a, a smaller number of available listings. But I think that, you know, we're going to hit some barriers just because affordability is still an issue and the amount of supply is still an issue. And so even though the economic fundamentals are pretty strong and actually we ended the year on a really strong note and are trending very much in, in the right direction, I don't think we can expect that 10% growth in price to persist yeah. or the 7% increase in, in sales, just because I think that there's a limit to how much people can afford to pay for these homes in the absence of much stronger income growth and B, the, the transactions are going to be limited by the amount of homes that are actually out there available for sale. So I think, you know, that's true. a couple of percent increase that's on true. the sales side, maybe, you know, three to 5% on the price side. And, and we'll just keep an eye on, on those fundamentals. Okay. I think right now, you know, we have a very conservative um, estimate for price. I think it's a, uh, below 3%, but I believe you, you know, three and a half to 5% sounds, sounds um, right. And I think yeah. at some point we will make some adjustment to our um, estimates. Now on the supply right. side, I know at the end of the year uh, at the national level, the U.S. housing start seems to uh, increase quite a bit. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily count on that trend to continue in 2020, right? Because, you know, in California, we have a lot of zoning issues. We still have yeah. a lot of supply issues. We still count. We still cannot count on um, people reversing and going back to staying at the, in their home for only five or six or seven years. Because in the last few years, we have been observing people staying at their home for a much longer period of time, over 10 years. So that yeah. trend probably will continue so the supply issue will probably be um, continue. And I think, you know, I said uh, in December, we have the lowest level of inventory in December. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we actually drop further in 2020. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. You know, something that the cynic in me tells me that 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 bump in housing starts that we saw nationwide definitely wasn't um, happening here in California. At least we weren't following that trend. We're we're barely over 100,000 units again, well below what we need, even just to tread water. And so uh, right. no real relief uh, on that front in sight for me. I think that we'll continue to see that same kind of 100,000, maybe even a little bit more building this year. But I think that there's so many impediments to to, to really counting on that as a solution to come to the rescue. Of course, you know, everything is contingent on the economy. And so we'll be That's revisiting true. this as, as things develop. But let's take a look at where the, the economy sits from a, a kind of 30,000 foot view, because I think for me, the, the main takeaway is that the economy is still doing pretty well, whether we're talking about growth or consumers or anything else, right? 
True. I mean, I know in 2020, we are not expecting it to be as high as 2019 or 2018, but relatively, it's still doing okay. I mean, right now in the third quarter, we don't have the fourth quarter number. The third quarter is 2019 came in at 2.1%. We do believe that, you know, fourth quarter is going to be uh, okay, uh, 2% ish or so. I look at the retail sales number at the end of the year. It seems like uh, we're doing pretty well with three consecutive months of decent growth uh, and, and retail sales. That suggests to me that going into 2020, we probably will be okay uh, with the um, decent economic growth rate. At the yeah. same time, I know uh, labor market has been doing well. Yep, we continue to add jobs. We added almost 150,000 in December. We won't get the California stuff now again for another couple of months as they go through their annual benchmarking process, but unemployment is still near, you know, historic lows and and with the boost to the stock market, we also have consumer confidence coming back, right? And True. so, um, you know, all of the main economic fundamentals seem good. And then I think the, you know, it's not going to be a blockbuster year. As you said, we're predicting sub 2% growth, but that's a, a, a far cry from predicting recession or for right. the economy to start to, uh, to backpedal. And so I think that, you know, it's not going to be a year to write home about in 2020 from an economic growth perspective. But I also think that it's just going to be, you know, slow and steady as it goes. And so that's a, a positive when you look at the actual data. But then we have some more reasons why we should be uh, hopefully a little bit more optimistic or at least less pessimistic. Right. Because we've sorted out some of our trade issues. True, true. I mean, we we listed um, some of the risk factors or uncertainties last year and trade war or trade conflict with China was a main factor because there was an uncertainty. It went back and forth for what a year and a half, two years or so. But at least at the beginning of this year, uh, we signed a trade deal, a phase one um, that is supposed to boost the um Import Chinese, um, uh, the the Chinese or China government, uh, they're going to buy a little bit more of um, uh, products from the U.S. And at the same time, um, the U.S. is supposed to hold off on some um, uh, increasing further uh, tariff. And so at least that uncertainty is somewhat um, uh, back off. Now, yeah, whether there definitely. is going to be a phase two or not. Who knows? I think that's going to be after the election process, after the, the the presidential election. Right. And I think, you know, it's key to point out that we don't have all the details on this new trade deal yet. You know, it's it's been announced in spirit and we have some of the kind of broad brush strokes of, of what it's going to look like. But I think the, the bigger takeaway, and this seems to be what the market responded to, is just that it's been at least de-escalated regardless of those mm -hmm. details. And, and that's ultimately uh, a positive thing for for consumption and business investment moving forward. Yeah, and, and you can see the financial market and stock market has risen by about five or uh, five percent or so since the beginning of the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, but something that I, I do want to caution and you you bring that up uh, every now and then, you know, stock market rising at this level, um, you know, of course, it, it's not we can't expect that to continue for the rest of the year. If we continue to have a five percent in one month. In every single month, we're going to have a 60% increase in, in the stock market, which is exactly. um, not not something that I would believe in. So right. do you and think uh, that might be? 
yeah, we're not predicting the kind of economic growth that would back up those kind of numbers in the stock market for sure. So, you know, that's a, a one of those things that's doing well now and I think really contributing to consumer confidence, but also one of the potential red flags just because it seems to be getting out ahead of corporate profits right. in a long way. Now, right. the, the kind of positive side effect of the stock market doing well is that the appetite for, uh, you know, kind of risk shelters, if you will, the bond market right. has gone down. And so that, that you know, we don't know what's going to happen with rates, but it does look like rates are are poised to, to stay low, that there's not going to be, you know, uh, a big decline as people pour in for more risk, but it doesn't seem like people are going to abandon ship either. And so I think that we can expect kind of these, these low rates to persist in this kind of band between, you know, three and a half and, and 4% not seeing much of a, a movement one way or the other from where we are right now. Yeah, it looks like, you know, inflation is not flaring up. Um, obviously, inflation not flaring up also means that wage growth is not uh, climbing up really fast. Um, that, that's not necessarily um, a good thing compared to, you know, the price growth that we have seen. But, um, you know, inflation not flaring up also means that, you know, Federal Reserve, they're not going to likely change anything. Um, right. Do you think the interest rate, 30-year fixed rate, will likely stay below four uh, for most of the year? I do. Yeah, I think, again, we'll stay in this kind of tight band, you know, under 4%, but kind of just bouncing around where we are at current levels, 3.6 to 3.8, somewhere in there. Uh, you know, and and I think unless something major happens, I know that in Housing Wire, somebody else recently, I forget who it was, maybe UBS came out and said the Fed was going to raise rates three times this year. I do not right. see that happening based <laughs> on these you know, statistics that we're reviewing here today. I don't believe that, too. Now, Okay, so you know we're pretty certain we're we're comfortable with you know where Feds are, uh, but there are other potential red flags. We mentioned about you know the trade wars; it's kind of easing off. We don't yep. uh, need to be as worried about that already. Um, but there are other concerns. I mentioned about stock market. What about the global economy and maybe uh, some of the geopolitical pressure issues? Yeah, definitely. I think that's always a, a risk. You know, it looks like Europe's doing okay at the moment. Like the the you know European Central Bank is not going to be lowering rates right now uh, because the economy has stabilized. But that's always uh, a risk. They're still, even though we've you know got more kind of certainty on the Brexit side, that's still something yeah. that's you know got to work itself out eventually this year and and so i think that the global economy is something that can always impact us and in some ways can can turn on a dime it only takes you know big natural disaster or something like that sure. where um, the picture can change and i think now on top of that we've also got as we've seen over the last couple of months potential geopolitical issues to to contend with as well and that seems to have luckily died down recently as well but but that's another thing that can always turn on a dime and then of course uh, the one you mentioned to me this morning which I you know wasn't on my radar but definitely something we should be concerned with is is you know epidemics and, and we've got this new virus outbreak right yes I mean I think you know if someone you remember what happened about 10 15 years ago when we have SARS you know the uh, the impact was uh, uh, at the um, economic impact, and I think in Asia was uh, a little bit more severe, but for the global level, it may not be 
as big of a deal, but it looks like it could have a little bit of impact. We have been monitoring it. You know, a lot of medical experts have been monitoring it. So it's very, uh, it's a very early stage right now. So hopefully, that is not going to have uh, a major impact, uh, both at the uh, on the personal level or the uh, the medical level as well as economic level. Right. No, totally. But good good to no. have at least on our radar. But I think, you know, the other wild card I would throw in is is the presidential election. I was getting asked right. about that last night. We are in a presidential election year and, and people want to know kind of what what that might do to the economy and to the housing market in particular. I think the good news there is that, you know, when we looked at this, the the data wasn't conclusive one way or the other. There doesn't seem to be much of an impact on the housing market. Once you controlled for what's happening with the labor markets and unemployment, right, where interest rates were, whether income uh -huh. were growing, what affordability looked like at a particular point in time, there wasn't really a noticeable impact. I know that we looked at an article together uh, a few weeks back that suggested that maybe those, you know, immediate preceding months right before an election like September, October might be a little bit uh -huh. slower than a typical September or October. But I think for me, the the good news is that the housing market is largely driven by fundamentals. And so things like presidential elections, although very consequential for long term, you know, trajectory of our country, et cetera, uh, don't have much of an impact on on the housing market it's more driven by again whether people have jobs and what's happening with affordability and interest rates very true and and we still have very low unemployment rate and it looks like as we said you know this year it's going to be yes it's not going to be as uh, as high as last year in 2019 uh, 2018 but yeah, it's still going to be a decent year um, volatility is probably going to be expected in the stock market <laughs> at the end Definitely. of the year uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's not new. I mean, what's new, right? I mean, yeah, I try to not look at the stock market because of that volatility. <laughs> I try and um, pick things out based on the fundamentals and go, you know, set it and forget it and go for the long term because, you know, these uh, trying to keep up with all the news and think you're smarter than everyone else is a, a challenging proposition. So but yes. I think when you take a step back, the good news is that the macro environment's still um, decent, right? It's not great, but we'll still right. have more of the slow and steady growth. And B, the housing market is finally moving in the right direction with both sales and prices going up. And so um, that's where we kind of end 2019 as we turn into 2020. Uh, and I think we're poised for more growth on both fronts. And so that's good will. news. That's good. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. Obviously, every month you can tune in for new market statistics. You can join us on this Housing Matters podcast where you will find out new information as it develops. And so uh, that's where we'll leave it for this one. Thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate it. And we will see you on the next podcast. All right. Have a good one. Bye bye. Bye.